This is Golf Talk Canada, Canada's only national golf talk radio and TV program. Presented by TaylorMade and the all-new Stealth 2, Stealth 2 Plus, and Stealth 2 HD Carbon Woods. Designed with more carbon for more forgiveness. Learn more at TaylorMadeGolf.ca. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully. Well, good morning, Canada. Welcome inside another Monday edition of Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully here in studio. Bob is traveling today, so he won't be on today's show. Mark is also traveling today, but before he jumps on a plane and before Mark actually comes back to Toronto, it's been a hot second since Mark's been here in the GTA. Mark now joins us on the line. Z-Man, what is up on this Monday morning? What's happening, buddy? Where's Where's Bob off to? Where's he going? Do we know? Is it well, secret society? I, judging from his stuff, yeah, from his Instagram account, I believe he was in or is in Florida. He was at a bookstore, from what I uh, saw on Instagram. Okay. So we'll have to get, uh, you know, hopefully Bob gives us a bit of a book report on on what he's been reading and that sort of thing. But I know Bob is. Tra- I believe he's in the air as we speak, but is back on land. Later today, he'll be with uh, myself on Golf Talk Canada Television this week. But uh, a very busy time for all of us here as, Mark, it's hard to believe that next week is Masters Week. It's the best week of the year. It's insane. Like, I am flying to uh, Florida today and picking up my car, which oh. has been sitting in Florida, and, uh, and making my way home and get behind the wheel of my car and doing that. I got 20, I think it's 26 hours from the bottom of the state back home uh masters week next week you and i, I we found out are going to host the uh, the late night master show together you, uh, i mean we got lots we're going to be in studio during the day we've got so much golf talk canada stuff the entire week radio tv so it's going to be good to be home i i'm uh it's been too long too long a trip this one but Hard to say no, you know, it's nice to be uh, getting, it's nice when people say, hey, we want to book you to work and yada, 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 but <laughs> I think it's time to get back on Canadian soil, Adam. Well, I was just going to ask you that before we hit news and headlines. What, when, when was the last time you were here in Toronto? Because it's been, what, two months at least? Yeah, I was in Toronto, Super Bowl Sunday was the oh, last okay. uh, time in Toronto. Yeah, Super Bowl Sunday. I came home for one week between the West Coast and Florida swing, I came home and worked waste management from home, which was Super Bowl weekend. And the next day, got in my car, drove to Florida, and been working uh, PJ Tour Live and PJ Tour Radio ever since. So, and, and to your point, the week before the Super Bowl, I was doing three weeks in a row on the West Coast swing. From you know, so it's it's I've really only been home one week since the second week of January. And that's a little more aggressive than I'd like. But you know as well as I do, Skulls, when you're the guy that starts saying no, you're the guy that stops getting asked in our business. Yep. Yeah, you're certainly right about that. A very busy show. We'll recap the WGC Dell Technologies match play, the last final ever 
WGC. We're going to also hear from Monet Chun, who is on her way to the Augusta National Women's Amateur. I went one-on-one with Monet. We're also going to chat with Charlie Reimer from Myrtle Beach Golf, as well as Gilles Gagnon from Casa de Campo. Can't wait to hear that interview. Mark, you spoke with Gilles recently as well. Plus, we'll chat with our Golf Talk Canada analyst, Kristen Murphy, as well. She'll make her second appearance on the show to recap the WGC Dell Technologies match play and look ahead to the best week of the year, the Masters. It all gets underway next week. Before we get to there, let's hit some news and headlines. News and headlines are brought to you by Sandbagger Hard Seltzer. Sandbagger, everybody knows one. Okay, well, Mark, it was a pretty entertaining weekend. Bit of a melodramatic finish in terms of Sam Burns absolutely walloping Cameron Young in the final of the WGC Dell Technologies match play. But when you birdie eight of your final 10 holes, you go into video game mode. It was certainly fun to watch. Overall, what was your perspective in looking back at the match play? I just, I think the person that probably takes the, 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 the biggest, I don't want to say the biggest blow from this, because if you make it to the final four, you should still feel confident. And obviously uh, Cameron Young with the new relationship at the caddy position, that's got to feel good. So, you know, building blocks in the right place. But for me, Cameron Young is the person that still needs to answer some questions. What, it was the six runner-ups now, Adam, something yeah. like that. Six, six runner-ups on the PJ tour have, has yet to come through. Uh, Scotty Scheffler, what a run in match play. I mean, probably should have got it done, missed the six-footer to win, but he was my favorite to repeat at Augusta in two weeks to defend his green jacket. And based on what I saw over the last uh, week, he is still my favorite to repeat uh, at Augusta. I mean, we're we're a six-footer away from him being in the final. So I still think Scotty Scheffler right now is the best player on the planet. And I think Rory McIlroy's putter change is a huge win for him. And Moore even said it uh, best. He was, I, I, I took a lot of positives from this week, uh, a lot more building blocks. Uh, really, the only thing I take back is my last three holes against Cameron Young not being able to close them out when I should have. But to me, you know, though, there's so many winners here. Uh, and Sam Burns, is, it's about time. You know what I mean? We've all been waiting for him to get back in the learner circle and just show some form again and come back to where he was last year. So I think Boy, did he do that with an announcement. But how do you feel, Adam? Are, are you in the same boat as me? Is that if, if there's one of the last four that still leaves with big, big question marks, even though I still think there's positives with, with, with some of the changes he's made, it's still Cam Young with, with still a bridesmaid. Yeah, totally. And it, it just seemed like he ran out of juice, right? And, and that was sort of a common theme for the guys who made it all the way, you know, playing 115 plus holes. And, and it, it's just, he has, he's missed out on that, you know, call it killer instinct, if you will. And you mentioned the six runner-up finishes. Many people forget that he was actually the runner-up at the Open Championship last summer to Cameron Smith, uh, where, you know, many would presume that Rory was the runner-up, but Cameron Young did eagle the 72nd and final hole. He finished five shots off the lead. Uh, Tony Finau won at the Rocket Mortgage, still finished in second place. And he's had a number of good finishes as well. But he's still, he's so, he's so different too. Uh, and I'm curious in terms of the caddy switch, and you mentioned it briefly there, but when Scotty Scheffler 
and Ted Scott united that really ignited Scheffler's career. And now that Paul Tesori and Webb Simpson are now split and Tesori is now carrying the bag of Cameron Young. Of course, Tesori was caddying for VJ Singh for all those years too. You've got to think that's, that's a positive influence, but until he gets that victory, there's a monkey on his back, right, Mark? hundred percent, but, but I'm looking at it just like you. I, I'm looking at it exactly as you are, Adam, where Paltasori being on his bag is, is a very similar step as to what you outlined with Ted Scott, uh, with Scotty, and, you know, in a way, Steve Williams and Tiger. Not yeah. that Tiger didn't do it with fluff, but there, there needs to be that part. Something to the table that, that you need to, to be your best in a player. And I do think that Paul's going to be that guy uh, for Cameron Young, and I do think it's gonna be. I do think it's gonna happen now, I, and he's just too talented as well. Uh, but until he does, there will always be the question marks. Now, you know, it's, again, this is so early in this relationship, but I think you're bang on. And you hit on something else there with the fatigue factor. I mean, it's just match after match after match. It's a you know coming off a huge stretch of golf, and I understand people are really upset that there's you know this tournament's going away next year. And there's a lot of conversation online and within the golf community of, you know, how do we bring match play back to the PGA Tour? And I've always been a fan of a format where the Tour Championship was match play at the end. Not the entire thing, but I, I would love to figure out how to wiggle around the FedEx Cup playoffs and get it down to, you know, eight guys, uh, four guys, whatever the magic number is, uh, to, to get into a match play scenario where they're playing for the FedEx Cup and all that money in a match play on a Sunday. It's, to me, a much better scenario still than this staggered kind of net event where everybody starts at a different number. Um, and, and, you know, that chatter started again. I don't think it's got any legs, but I understand why this particular one's going away. It's just too many bodies at it. It's too it's too long a week. It's too too many matches, too many holes. When you're coming off a string of designated events where we've seen the best fields in golf in years between the Genesis and the Lease Management and the Arnold Palmer and the Players Championship. Like these guys have barely had a week off and now they're gonna go play Augusta. So um, it makes sense to me why this event is going away. But I'm also part of that group that says we need to figure out a way to get some component of match play back into the PGA Tour because it is, it is compelling television. It certainly is. And, you know, you look at, and we'll have a lot on this on our show on Wednesday, but the field for the Valero Texas Open isn't exactly incredible. And, you know, Tyrrell Hatton is the overwhelming favorite right now. I wouldn't be surprised if we see him pull out of the tournament given what we was, he was having hand cramps or some sort of hand issue on the range uh, before his first match on Wednesday. Of course, the three of us all picked Tyrrell Hatton this week and his odds were <laughs> up and down like a yo-yo during our Wednesday show. We were wondering what on earth was going on, but you know, he's not playing and there's gotta be something because that's, that's Saturday morning, the, the round of 16 for the match play. It was incredible. Like it was just must see TV. Everything going on from a Canadian perspective. We had Mackenzie Hughes get in the mix, and you know, obviously he's in the Masters next week. But you know, Adam Hadwin, uh, Nick Taylor, they needed big weeks. They didn't have it. So you wonder, like, there's got to be a way because a, I love that golf course for match play too in Austin. There's yes. so many risk reward holes, and you know, none really better than you. Th- you look to that that 18th hole. And for Rory McIlroy, we have to dive deep into Rory here because at the Players' Championship, he looked like a lost puppy 
It, he didn't know his driver was off the planet. He was highly, highly critical of his equipment. What does he do? He, he trims his driver shaft by about half an inch, goes back to the stealth two head, and he looked like Rory again. You know, 30, 30 drives of over 330 yards. And I, I understand the fairways are obviously firm, but the tee shot itself to drive the 375 yard 18th hole, hit it to three feet, nine inches. That tee shot alone, Mark, how incredible was that moment? Yeah, you would. He's fly at 349 or yep. three, it was either 349 or 346 carry so yep. you make all the you can make all the firm fairways in the world but when the guy's flying at almost 350 yards with a shorter shaft i might add yeah. which is pretty amazing um you know but to your point with these like rory is just so good and he's just such a fine line always away from from being the best player on the planet but the pro, i think the problem for rory is always it's more of the six inches between the ears. Always better than more than anything else. Like he should have been in that final, Adam. He, yeah. he was the guy. He should have closed that out. It never happened. I mean, it's nothing physical that prevented him from closing out that championship. He, he couldn't find that killer instinct. He couldn't find that that uh, calmness that you need to close those things out. And at the end of the day. Uh, it, it cost him a trip to the final, but you're right. Uh, I think the biggest thing with Rory, if, if you're if you're hoping, for, I think everybody's kind of hoping for a career grand slam. But but if the brightest suggestion, or if you're a Rory fan, would be looking at the putter numbers this week, right? And do I think there was a problem with any kind of putter he was using previously? No, of course not. It was amazing. He's got amazing equipment, and the best people in the world were there as equipment. Sometimes you just need a change. And sometimes your eyes just got to look down on something. And maybe something that remembers putts being made and remembers the times when you were winning majors and things along uh, those lines. And, yes, you can talk about things like MOI and, you know, uh, skidding off the face and all the technical things in the world you want uh, when it comes to a putter. But at the end of the day, a putter is, is two things. When you get over it, are you are you lined up where you think you're lined up, and do you have the confidence to start it on that line? That's it. Nothing else matters. If you can do those two things, if you can stand up over a putt and line up exactly where you think you're lined up, and then have the confidence to start it on that line, it, all the other technology in the world when it comes to putters, in my opinion, gets thrown out the door. So maybe maybe Rory's just found something that reminds him of better days on the greens and just makes the game a little simpler for him when he gets to those putting services because I thought he putted overall extremely well this week and really made some putts, especially against Xander Shoffley early in the week. Made putts he had to make to keep that going and win that match. And there was a lot of moments like that this week for Rory that could serve as huge building blocks for him when we get to those Augusta Greens in a couple of weeks. We're talking with the WGC Dell Technologies match play with Mark Sacchino. And, Mark, I'm curious on your thought on this because in match play – you know, it's different golf where you have to make a putt. It doesn't, if let's say your opponent's already in the hole, it doesn't matter if you blow it five feet by the hole. So you can be a little more aggressive. You wonder, I'm curious for Rory, you know, there were reports that he went to Augusta National, played 54 holes, had 19 putts in one round using this new style of putter. 
you wonder where he's going to be at. You know, we saw him free wheel in the final round of last year's Masters where he shot 64 to finish in second place. And people look at the leaderboard and think, oh, second place is best ever finish. But Scotty Scheffler did four jack the last hole. So he only won by three and not five. And Rory didn't really have a legitimate chance to win that golf tournament because of his first three rounds. You wonder for Rory, this is such a mental hurdle, right? This is something that's been plaguing him Ever since that, you know, when, when he shot 43 on the back nine all those years ago at the Masters to finish it, to, to shoot 80 and play his way out of the tournament when he had a chance to win. So you wonder, apparently he's going to make an, another trip to Augusta this week to play around. I'm just curious how how this putter will impact him under pressure again, where the greens are a lot different. Obviously, they're, you know, you're it's they're very quick and you have to sort of baby these putts through the hole where at, at match play, you can be a little more aggressive. Yeah. And may, or maybe he needs to just be that guy at him. Maybe yeah. he can't play that game that you're referring to that, that he's usually the one that would get it done at Augusta or get it done at a U.S. open or in that scenario. And I don't disagree with you, but when Rory's had success, he's the guy that hits it with five feet of extra speed in it. He's the guy holding out from everywhere. He's the guy hit it 350 onto the green. He plays the game with, with a bit of a different flair. In a certain way, it kind of reminds me a little bit about uh, Phil Mickelson. Yeah. You know, everybody wanted Phil to be Tiger, and he wasn't going to win majors until he played the game more like Tiger. And Phil just played the game like Phil. And at times, it was a car crash and a train wreck, and you couldn't look away. And at other times, he's hitting six irons out of pine straw over creeks on 13 to 10 feet at Augusta. So, I mean, I don't think Rory can force himself to be somebody he isn't. I think he's got to play with his own golf personality. And if that's that Rory with the bounce and free will in it and and shooting at every flag on a Thursday morning like he's trailing by eight already heading into the weekend, then he's got to be that guy. And I I believe on him that that's – I know this sounds crazy because – it sounds like, hey, Mark's suggesting that Rory goes into Augusta without a game plan, or Rory goes into Augusta, you know, being you know irresponsible with his shot selection. I'm not. But what I'm suggesting is that the proof is in the pudding. And when he plays with nothing to lose, and he just plays with creativity, and he fires at flags and hits driver and whatnot, he shoots 64 on Sunday and almost backdoors one. Right, mm-hmm. he and, and Bob and I have said this. You know, how does how do you take that mentality to the T Thursday? Well, you can't be tight. He's not a plotter. I mean, Rory McIlroy's got more gifts than anybody in, in 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 the world for this game and hits it a mile. Stop trying to be a plotter on a Thursday morning, Rory. You know, and yeah. and don't tell me this isn't psychological, Adam. You and I watched him snap hook an iron out of bounds on an Irish Open Championship, right, a couple of years ago at Portrush. This is the one he wanted the most. He gets up on the first hole on Thursday and hits an iron OB. So, I mean, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm Rory's caddy and I see iron or anything like that moving forward, I'm like, no, your best club in the world's driver. You're going to hit this 350 down the middle all day. Let's go make 18 birdies and see what happens. Well, and you look at his last four opening rounds at the Masters, 73, 75, 76, 73. He's only broken 70 in the opening round twice in his career at the Masters. The two years he did it, 2011, when he had the collapse, when he shot 80 during the final round, 
and 2018. He shot 69 in the opening round. Of course, that was that duel with Patrick Reed. He shot 74 in the final round. So it seemed for years, you know, in this major slump, Rory has struggled during the opening rounds of major championships. Played a lot better last season, aside from the Masters in opening rounds. I, I'm, I'm so curious where we are with with Rory, which Rory shows up. And like we all predicted during our year in review shows last year that he'll be in the mix come Sunday. Let's just see if he can uh, pull out and, uh, and have a good week at Augusta national Mark, Before we go to break, or I want to, I want to ask you about Mackenzie Hughes, because this is a guy who really was MIA for ever since that the win in the fall portion of the schedule been doing the speed training, but you know, match play he's played well before he events to the round of 16 once during his career prior to this week, beats Max Homa, of all people, in mm-hmm. the round of 16 this time around. He'll be at Augusta National again. Uh, we've seen so many great Canadian finishes already on the PGA Tour this season. What's your outlook for Mac as we head down Magnolia Lane next week? He caught us all off guard. Maybe he shouldn't have. I think the reason he caught us all off guard this week, uh, Scully, is because since, you know, since the turn of the calendar in 2023, just he hasn't been sharp and he hasn't been around. But to your point, in this format, maybe we, you know, maybe we shouldn't be surprised. And I think part of the reason is he is such a good mid-range to long-distance putter. And you hit it on, you know, that conversation you and I just had with Rory, how Rory putts differently in match play. He does putts differently in, in the Ryder Cup, for that matter, in match play, where he pours them in, not worrying about the putt coming back. Well, Mackenzie Hughes, in any format where he's not worried about the one coming back, who we're talking about a guy who, you know, maybe him and Jordan Spieth combined are the two long bomb putters on the PGA Tour, which can just make them from everywhere. I think the format just speaks to Mackenzie Hughes. I'm curious now to see, not just at Augusta, but just because he's had some success in tough venues and major championships, yeah. right? We saw him on a Sunday at a U.S. Open a couple of years ago at Torrey Pines. It's not like he doesn't know. It's not like he's never been there before. I'm curious to see how he can take this momentum just throughout the next two, three months now. If he can kind of get it back going, pick up where he left out in the fall, and, and, and keep it going. Because I, it's, I'm always a little concerned to take – a one-off. Hey, I'm feeling the same way about Sam Burns right now, to be honest with you. It's like, yes, Sam Burns won twice last year, you know, great player, blah, 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 but he's been absentee, and now he's popped up at a match play event. How much weight do we put in that when we get to Augusta in two weeks? How much weight do we put in that when we leave Augusta and go RBC Heritage a few more weeks after? So, I don't know. It is a thin line with match play, uh, whether, whether you believe what you saw with your eyes or not, so to speak, in a stroke play environment. Totally. Well, uh, it's a great time in the golf world, busiest time in the golfing world. And I think we've just spoken to the busiest man in the golfing world. Mark, you've been on the road for so long, but you're finally coming back. You'll be reunited back here in the GTA. And hey, we're actually going to see each other next week for a lot. So I'm looking forward to that. Mark, safe travels today. Safe drive as you have uh, your quest here back to the GTA. Thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks for having the fort. Thanks for doing everything, Adam. And I can't wait to see you in person, buddy. Looking forward to Masters Week. It's going to be so much fun. That is the Z-Man finally making his way back to Toronto. On the other side, we'll hear from Sam Burns after winning the WGC Dell Technologies match play. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC was presented by TaylorMade and the all-new Stealth 2, Stealth 2 Plus, and Stealth 2 HD Carbon Woods. Design with more carbon for more forgiveness. 
This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Caddy Time, the Uber-like app that allows golfers across Canada to find affordable, qualified caddies to any round. Visit caddytime.com. Download the app or talk to your PGA professional today. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully here in studio. On the other side, we're going to hear from Charlie Reimer from Play Golf Myrtle Beach. Uh, you might recall Charlie Reimer was a television analyst for quite some time. Now he's doing some work with Myrtle Beach and we'll go in depth on how you can plan a great trip to Myrtle Beach because there are a ton of great golf courses in that region. But before we go there, we'll continue recapping Sam Burns, fifth career PGA Tour victory and taking a look the most PGA Tour victories in the last three seasons. Scotty Scheffler and Patrick Cantlay both have six, but Burns is joining some elite company with five, along with five victories, John Rahm, Rory McIlroy, and Max Homa. So Sam Burns joining some elite company with his fifth victory in the last three seasons. Sam Burns had a chance to catch up with Golf Channel's Damon Hack. Let's hear that interview. All right, Sam, five days of grueling match play, and you saved your best for last. Why do you believe you're the last man standing? Oh, what a week. Um, and I'm so tired. Uh, yeah, that was fun playing Cam today. Um, you know, I know he didn't have his best stuff, but uh, it was a great match. I mean, I feel like I got off to kind of a not a great start, um, but felt like I, I kind of found something at the end of my match this morning with Scotty and kind of was able to carry that on uh, this afternoon. In some ways, this week may be a representative of your entire season, a slow start. What have you found specifically over the last couple of weeks? I think uh, the, the work my coach and I have done, Brad, and uh, really our whole team is just um, you know, let's try to stack one good swing after another, and uh, that's what I just tried to do today, and I've tried to do the last couple weeks, and uh, just really trying to put the hard work in, and it's nice to see it kind of paying off on the golf course. Well done. Congratulations. Thank you. Appreciate it. Sam Burns, first to win this event in his debut since 2006 when Jeff Ogilvie went on to win the tournament. What did Jeff Ogilvie do that year? He went on to win the U.S. Open. So maybe a sign of things to come for Sam Burns, his fifth career PGA Tour victory at the WGC Dell Technologies match play. On the other side, we go one-on-one -on -one with Charlie Reimer to discuss golf in Myrtle Beach. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by Caddy Time the Uber-like app that allows golfers across Canada to add affordable, qualified caddies to any round. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. Visit weathertech.ca. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Adam Skelly here in studio. So yesterday in the GTA, we got up to a nine degrees. We had some sunshine. Thought, hey, maybe golf season's around the corner here in the GTA. Then you look outside here on a Monday morning, a little dreary. Of course, spring is here, but golf season isn't officially here in the GTA. Another couple of weeks for sure. Within a month, we're, we're definitely playing golf here in the Toronto area on a consistent basis. But between now and then, or looking ahead, if you're looking to plan a golf trip, go on a little adventure perhaps, 
why not check out Myrtle Beach? Myrtle Beach, nearly 75 courses, private, semi-private, public. There's a golf experience like no other at Myrtle Beach. And Charlie Reimer does a lot of work with Myrtle Beach. Of course, Charlie Reimer played the game professionally. He was also an analyst with Golf Channel for a very long time, too. And Mark had a chance to learn all about play golf Myrtle Beach with Charlie Reimer. All right, always happy to be joined by Charlie Reimer, uh, Golf Myrtle Beach, Play Golf Myrtle Beach, and Myrtle Beach Golf Ambassador Charlie. Uh, good to see you. Haven't seen you since the Can-Am Cup where Team America made that big comeback on the final day to, to take the hardware home. We're still licking our wounds over that one. That's my last time to the beach, but it's springtime. It's springtime in Myrtle Beach. It's springtime in South Carolina. I don't know if there's a better time for Canadians to get to Myrtle Beach then March, April, May. I mean, why not kick off your golf season now? I, I got to think the beach is perfect in the spring for Canadians to to maybe dust off the clubs. Well, it, it is. And, and locals like me, we, we get a chuckle out of seeing the Canadians, you know, come down in January and February in your shorts and swimming in the ocean. And we're, you know, huddled up in our parkas. And uh, so it's easy to see the Canadians in January, February, but this year's actually been remarkably warm and uh, we're, we're getting a very early spring. Uh, the soil temperatures are up right now. Uh, the pollen is out a lot earlier. In fact, um, you, you, we've been able to see a lot of the pollen out in the ocean, which has been really unusual, especially for this time of year. But it, it really is a great time to come down. And the earlier you book your trip, the better deal you get. Of course, you can get that over at PlayGolfMyrtleBeach.com. But uh, we, we love our Canadian friends. And, and the thing that's different about this year than some of the years in the past, we're wearing shorts with you because it's been that warm. It's been great. Yeah, the weather uh, down the eastern seaboard for the last several weeks has been unbelievable. I'm here in Orlando uh, working for PGA Tour Live and PGA Tour Radio. And uh, to your point with the pollen, when I wake up in the morning, I didn't realize I had a yellow car, but apparently, apparently I have <laughs> one now. So. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's azaleas are going to be popping early at Augusta, So uh, which, which is good news because all the pollen will be gone. But the ones that you do see – at Augusta, they'll have been brought in from somewhere else because the, the, the ones that are normally there, they're, they're going to be blooming very early, early spring, which, which is great news for golfers. Now, now, speaking of Augusta, that's a great segue because I know a ton of Canadians. It's a, uh, an annual tradition. I know many different trips from all different parts of Canada. Uh, the guys I know are Ontario and Quebec-based, and they start their season every year with a uh, Myrtle Beach golf trip the week of mm. the Masters. And they kind of organize their tee time so they can play golf and then get in front of a TV and watch the Masters. And, of course, Monday after the Masters has just been – it's kind of become a huge tradition for the Myrtle Beach area. Well, it, it really has. And, and um, you know, not only Canadians, but I, I really think, you know, Masters Week is the start of the year for all golfers, really. You know, you hear the the, the music that Masters theme playing everywhere. It's really cool. And there, there are a ton of watch parties in Myrtle Beach is a is a great place to come and play golf and be able to watch the masters but but the the hooting the blowfish monday after the masters i've been very, very fortunate to be a part of every one of those except for two i believe and every year it's the largest single day fundraiser in the state of south carolina that's on monday uh but but it's also actually uh an event that runs the 8th through the 10th of april there's great music if you're lucky enough to score a a, um, a ticket to the concert at House of Blues on Monday night. Uh, it's an incredible concert. Uh, the events at, at the uh, Barefoot Resort on uh, Monday, uh, we play the Die Course, which is 
one of my favorite golf courses in all of, all of Myrtle Beach, and it's always in great shape. It's just a great scene. And over the years, I and mean, we've had all kinds of stars, and uh, you know, from from Arnold Palmer to Samuel L. Jackson, and uh, unbelievable musicians. It really is an amazing event. And the guys in the band, I've got to be friendly with them over the years. They, they uh, even though they're not touring anymore, they still take great pride in this event and get all their buddies coming in and and uh, when they when they get when Hootie gets together on the stage I mean even though Darius is out doing his thing but when Hootie gets together on the stage Mark it's just something special it's a, it's an incredible few days yeah I've, I've been meaning to do that at one point work has always gotten in the way but one of these years I'm going to get down for that uh for sure come on uh, uh, it's a must and it's not just the week of the Masters uh, I recently uh, read that South Carolina top golf destination in America uh uh, top buddies trips for Myrtle Beach, uh, top five in the world for golf, South Carolina, recently. The accolades keep coming for the area. In your opinion, Charlie, like, what is it? I mean, this this is this is near and dear to your heart, so no one can really kind of express it better as to why it, it wins these accolades and why people keep going back. To me, that's the one thing about South Carolina and Myrtle Beach that I find really interesting that maybe a lot of other destinations don't have. There's so many great golf destinations around the world, but I don't know if there's one, uh, an area of America, especially that has the annual migration and, and the return trips and the return people of South Carolina. I think that kind of says a lot. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's um, South Carolina is a state uh, population wise and geographically, it, it's not one of the our bigger states, but it comes up really big in the world of golf. Uh, Myrtle Beach, um, we call ourselves the golf capital of the world. And, and I think that we've earned that title uh, and, and seeing these recognitions roll in uh, really sort of reinforces that. Um, I'm a product of junior golf in the state of South Carolina. And uh, if you look at, at what our residents have done in, in terms of winning major championships and putting South Carolina on the map, it's it, it, it really has been cool. you got the PGA Tour event at Hilton Head, which is uh, since 1969, you know, has been a fixture on the PGA Tour. And and uh, we've, we've got an event that's been played at, at, at Ridgeland now a few times. And there's actually rumors, and I don't have any inside track rumors, that a PGA Tour event is going to be coming to uh, Myrtle Beach starting next year. But I, I think the, the, the key to the success really uh in particular when you look at, at Myrtle Beach is is um we, we've got tremendous hospitality people want to go and spend time where they feel comfortable and we're very welcoming in South Carolina um we, we've got some great dining not necessarily you know New York City type fine dining but the kind of dining like real people like me and you enjoy and and um, just just that hospitality and, and um, the other thing is, is, and you make a great point about when folks book to come to Myrtle Beach, they come back year after year. Um, a few factors involved there. N number one, uh, a lot of times, instead of staying in a hotel, when you're in your, when you are in your own room, folks will take houses. You know, you can do beachfront houses, you can do golf course housing, and and it's just sort of a real social environment. You know, you can enjoy, you know, the music and the restaurants and everything out. But, but I like when I travel, you know, I like to cook in a couple of times, you know, and, and that's always a lot of fun. It's just, it's very social. And, and while we have our share of, of top 100 golf courses, um, big picture, if you look at what's going on in the world of golf, affordability is a very big factor as well. I mean, if you're putting together a trip, a uh, 12, 16, 24 people, you know, you're going to have two or three people that can afford whatever you throw at them. But to, to get a little bit 
bigger trip, you know, the cost has to be a little bit more reasonable. And, I, and that's something I'm very proud of. While, you know, we, we have some golf courses and some places to stay that are less expensive. Overall, uh, you really get a tremendous amount of value when, when you come and spend three days or a week in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And, that, and that's something that, that really makes me proud because like you, I'm somebody that loves people uh, getting out and playing golf. And, and one of the things, you know, that, that's a big factor there is affordability. And we definitely have that in Myrtle Beach. Yeah, it's a good point, Charlie, in the sense that, you know, although there's different, you know, courses at different price points, you never get to any of them and not think this is great bang for the buck. And, you know, in other words, this one might be a little bit more expensive than that one, but you never feel like uh, you're being overcharged or you never feel like you're not uh, paying an appropriate number for the value of the property you're playing. Like we felt that all right. last October, we got to play some great courses, obviously for the Can-Am Cup. One of my favorites, Caledonia uh, golf and fish club down in, in the South end. And, and that's a good lead in there as well. Before we let you go, um, I know there's been some upgrades. There's always courses like reinvesting back into their property. I hear there's a couple down in the South end who's done some renovations lately. What's been done to courses that maybe are some of the favorites that uh, players haven't seen in, in quite some time. And there's a reason to go back and play them again. Yeah. One of the great things uh, about really the, the pandemic um, inspired re introduction of golf to the world and more and more people playing is is if you're, if you're an operator of a golf course or multiple golf courses because we have more people playing you you feel very secure in investing in your product and, and a lot of people don't realize golf courses is a lot like a you know a fine automobile you know at a hundred thousand miles you got to change the belts and hoses and and that's an expensive process you, you, you know you look at the lifespan of greens of irrigation systems of wear and tear on clubhouses you know and and in certain intervals you you've got to invest in your property uh for a while that was difficult uh, because golf business wasn't as good well with golf business booming that confidence has led to reinvestment and we're really seeing it in a big way a lot of properties up and down uh, Myrtle Beach have done that, but one in particular, Paulie's Plantation, uh, which is Paulie's Island. It's a Jack Nicholas design golf course. It's an absolutely magnificent piece of property. And uh, some of the stuff that gets on the backside that has marsh views not too far off the ocean, just wonderful. But uh, they're investing heavily and, and uh, a lot of money in the clubhouse or reimagining what the golf experience is. And, and uh, one of the issues they had of, over years um, and, and you see it sometimes when you go to a golf course, you'll see a lot of distance between the edge of the greens and the bunkers. Well, Bermuda in particular, you know, is aggressive and the, and the, and the fairway Bermuda will grow into the greens. And all of a sudden, what was intended to be two or three feet is five feet, six feet, seven feet, eight feet. So you have to come in and reclaim the space on your greens, rework your bunkers. Uh, irrigation is something that's an issue. Cart paths, they're, they're, they're addressing all of those issues at Bali's Plantation. And, and it's really going to put an amazing shine on a golf course that 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 uh, I, I think is, is, is due for all of those improvements. And when people see it, they're, they're going to really appreciate the investment there. Oh, I mean, the South End so much fun. There's so many different little pockets of Myrtle Beach. They're awesome. And I love Polly's Plantation down in the South. And I just mentioned Caledonia and, of course, True Blue. They're all kind of down that way. You could put together a great three, four days, five days, and never leave the South if you don't want to and just have a little bit more kind yep. of quiet Southern experience and then – you know, hey, if you want that party and you want that fun along the beach, you can move your way north and 
and get all the action if you want it. So, uh, Charlie, thanks so much for taking time to do this. We're going to catch up with you again on the other side of spring and see what's uh, on the plan for the beach for the summer. You take care. You enjoy the spring. I know that's not hard to do when you call South South Carolina home. So thanks so much for taking the time. Appreciate it, Mark. Safe travels out there. I know you're the busiest man in golf right now. Enjoy it. Thank you, Charlie. That was Charlie Reimer with Mark talking about golf in Myrtle Beach. What a great destination. A lot of great restaurants, too, in and around the area. And the variety of golf is certainly awesome as well. Getting the itch now. Getting ready for golf season here in the GTA. Not far away. I mean, if you were a little bold yesterday, some would have thought that's that's golfing weather. You might have to put on a layer or two or a toque. Maybe some mittens between shots. But anyway... Uh, golf season just around the corner. Myrtle Beach, a great destination to go and play some golf. On the other side, the Augusta National Women's Amateur in this week is this week, and Canadian Monet Chun will be playing. And on the other side, we'll go one-on-one with Monet as she gets ready for the Augusta National Women's Amateur. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach, home to 80 great courses, 60 miles of sandy shores, endless dining and entertainment. Visit PlayGolfMyrtleBeach.com to start planning your golf trip today. Back inside GTC. Well, Masters Week is just around the corner. It's the best week of the year. One of the great Newer traditions when we kick off Masters Week is the Augusta National Women's Amateur. And this event has now gone on three times. This is the fourth edition of the Augusta National Women's Amateur. It got underway in 2019, was canceled in 2020 due to COVID-19, and then was back in 2021 and 2022. But it's back again, of course, this week where Canadian Monet Chun will be in the field. She's coming off an historic summer of golf in Canada playing some great golf right now too and I recently had a chance to catch up with Monet as she gets set to play this week at the Augusta National Women's Amateur. And pleased to be joined by Monet Chun who's heading to Augusta National for the Augusta National Women's Amateur. Before we get into that Monet welcome back to Golf Talk Canada. Thank you. Okay so when you hear that Augusta National and you're going to be playing how does that sound to you? Pretty exciting. I mean, it's obviously a great venue, hosted the Masters. So just being out there um, this, I guess, next week now, it's pretty exciting to be there. So how did you find out that you were going to be playing? Like, was it, did you get a, was it a phone call, an email? Like, how, how, walk me through how it happened. So it's pretty funny. Um, they sent out an email for all the participants that they're thinking of sending um, or thinking of having on the list of people. And then they sent me a actual physical like mail with a little letter um, probably like two days after. So yeah, I received that. It was pretty exciting. So when you saw that, was it, were you shocked? Were you amazed? Did you cry? Like what, what was your reaction when, when you saw that? Um, 
pretty excited I didn't really cry not much not many tears or anything but um I mean it, it's pretty exciting event so I'm just I guess excited a little overjoyed um I did receive the letter like just before I left for another tournament so didn't have much time to process everything but um definitely yeah pretty excited for it that's awesome and you know it's 20 years ago now that Mike Weir won the Masters which is hard to believe but have you excuse me have you reached out personally to try to uh get advice from anyone who has played the golf course before about you know what to expect um not specifically but i i did play with savannah she played in it last year and she gave me some tips here and there um obviously salima she uh caddied for her that last year as well so just talking about uh talking with her about some of the golf course and how everything was playing and just kind of um, getting some insight on that was anything specific coming to mind when you think of you know like stay stay below the hole or you know certain angles into certain pins that sort of thing um nothing specific I mean I still think I have to get out there um I did hear the champions golf course was a little bit tougher um for the girls so we'll see when we get out yeah totally now in terms of Augusta National itself have you, you know, watched YouTube clips? Have you tried to play some video games or something where, where Augusta National is in it? Have you tried to do any of those things? Um, Not exactly. I, I mean, I definitely did see, like I've watched it a little bit on TV. So I definitely will be out there and be like, oh, I've seen this hole before, but um, I don't really know the course too well. So, I mean, I think I'll be pleasantly surprised when I get out there. We're in conversation with Monet Chen, who's on her way to the Augusta National Women's Amateur. Now, Monet, last summer for you, quite simply, was historic. You won the Canadian Women's Amateur. You earned your way to the U.S. Women's Amateur Final at Chambers Bay, just to name a few accomplishments. When you look back now, how much have you evolved both as a player and a person since last summer? Uh, I think quite a bit. Um, there's definitely a part where just being able to see results helps a little bit with your confidence. Um, but I think just being able to see my game kind of transform and trend in the right direction um, was just a boost of confidence and overall pretty happy about where I am. And speaking about happy where they are, I mean, you look at Brooke Henderson right now, and you've said many times that she is your idol. How inspiring is it for you to watch Brooke continue to dominate and win so many tournaments the way she's been doing? Yeah, so inspirational. I mean, really, just really good for Canadian golf in general, but um, just such a great role model for girls like me and pretty much all over Canada and all over the world. So really fun to watch that. And and now for you, because you're going, you've had these great accomplishments last summer and many others that I didn't mention, you're heading to the Augusta National Women's Amateur. And now that means young Canadian girls across from coast to coast are going to look at you as inspiration. How does that make you feel? Um, A little, a little nervous. <laughs> um, I think it's pretty exciting being able to be in that position, but I think at this point, I'm just going to go out there and play the best that I can and try and do the best to show them what I can do. Yeah, that, that's the right attitude to have. One more before you let you go. Uh, just how thankful have you been for everything Golf Canada has done to help you in your career, both on and off the golf course thus far? Yeah, um, it's been a huge support. Uh, I mean, just with the staff that we have and um, just the support I've been getting, at least now it's going to be six years, so quite a bit of time. But um, 
yeah, it's it's a definitely just a great resource and being able to progress some really good junior golfers into eventually professional athletes as well. That's awesome. Well, Monet, this is an unbelievable accomplishment. Go get them. Play well at the Augusta National Women's Amateur, and we'll catch up again down the road. Great. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Looking forward to seeing Monet in action this week at the Augusta National Women's Amateur. And, you know, Masters, we think of the Augusta National Women's Amateur. You think of the drive, chip, and putt. And, of course, it all gets in underway next week par three contest uh there's just so much that we're looking forward to for the masters and at some point next week too we're going to give our own personal masters champions dinner menus which i know mark bob and i will all have we all have some different tastes we all have some similar tastes but looking forward to uh Putting that out there and hearing the reaction on social media to what our dream meal really would be if any of us somehow went on to win the Masters at some point in our lives. To kick off Hour 2, on the other side, we're going to hear from Gilles Gagnon from Casa de Campo. Now, Mark was just in Casa de Campo uh, for a little bit, and that's where our grand prize winner of 20 Weeks of Taylor made. That's a part of the grand prize going to Casa de Campo. So we'll learn all about Casa de Campo, a great travel destination. We're also going to hear from some of the notables of the WGC Dell Technologies match play, including Rory McIlroy. What's his outlook for the Masters after a great week? We'll hear from Rory. Plus, we go one-on-one -on -one with our analyst Kristen Murphy as well to recap the match play and look ahead to the Masters. All that and more coming up in hour two right here on Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach, the golf capital of the world. Thank you for listening to Hour 1 of GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit golftalkcanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television weekly on the TSN Television Network. This is Hour 2 of Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. Why Picton Mahoney? Visit PictonMahoney.com. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Zacchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada, hour two, the back nine here on GTC. Adam Scully here in studio. Coming up in hour two, we're going to hear from some of the notables at the WGC Dell Technologies match play. What a great event that was. Really hope match play comes back on the PGA Tour very soon because it's a very different style of golf and it's very entertaining. So we'll hear from some of the notables We'll also recap the event and look ahead to the Masters with our analyst Kristen Murphy as well. But to kick off Hour 2, we're going to learn more about Casa de Campo. And Mark has been in Casa de Campo for just under a week or so. And of course, part of the grand prize for 20 weeks of TaylorMade is a trip for two to Casa de Campo, which is a great resort, great golf courses, food, Lots of unbelievable things to do around the property as well. For much more on Casa de Campo, Mark had a chance to speak with Gilles Gagnon, who is the golf director at Casa de Campo. 
All right, Gilles, thank you so much for taking the time to do this as always. Canadian, one Canadian to another here, speaking to a Canadian audience. Before we get into some, what I think is really big news for a place I love, the last time we spoke, it was the day uh, Pete Dye passed away, which was in January of 2021, I believe. Yes. If that is accurate. 20, I guess, 20. Was it 20? I was try it? to forget about it. It's too too painful for me in some way. I lost my best friend, so yeah. it's kind of difficult. Sure it is. And, and for someone who is a huge fan, no personal connection with Pete, but somebody who, kind of interesting in a way, people always ask me, like, you know, how I got into golf. And I started when I was seven. And for a lot of people, it's their father or someone in their family. And for me, that's the same thing. But what Pete Dye created visually and caught my eye as a kid, uh, seeing railroad ties and island greens and think, things like that, I thought, oh, golf's cool. So I'm not so sure without Pete Dye, if I play golf or continue to play golf like for someone who was so young and saw what he created it was so visually st stimulating to me it, he was a huge part of my life and if retrospectively looking back he's a huge part of this property how have you kept him alive in his spirit and his legacy and what would he say today post pandemic seeing all the people enjoying this property well, I think he'd be blown away about the amount of people that are here. You know, when I when I was with Pete Dye and we worked together, he kept saying, I'll take care of the golf course, you just bring people. So the idea was try to develop, you know, following and people to come over here year after year. And now it's amazing that, you know, we get people to come and come back. And But, you know, Pete Dye had the vision here. You know, he, he visualized not two golf course, but five, six, seven golf courses. Now we have 90 holes of golf. And, and you know, it's, you look at all the different things that when I go out there, people see it, like you say, the railroad ties or the way he changed the grass, for example, from Bermuda to past Palom. Those are all things that he kind of discovered and he felt this would be the right thing to do because of the water. You know, we have plenty of water in the Dominican Republic, but eventually, you know, water is going to be, uh, you know, something that's going to be difficult to, to, you know, the usage going to have to, to be less on golf courses. But, um, but you know, you look everywhere around here and I, maybe some people don't see it, but I, I see it. You know, I go around and say, yeah, Pete talked about that. He, you know, he talked about this. I walked, you know, hundreds of miles with him and we always talked and he always said, you know, do you see? And I'd say, Pete, I don't see this. And he said, I understand, I understand. Just take some note and just in case I fall down, pick me up. The rest of it, I'll take care of it. So he would be so proud now of, you know, the new rooms that we've built, the new driving range that we have, how we've improved the maintenance of the golf course and, uh, you know, the service and things. So, you know, he always kept monitoring to, for us to be better and better. And I think, you know, he would be so proud of what we have accomplished. And basically it's in his name, you know, it's Pete Dye. People know this place because of Pete Dye. That's a great segue because I think big news is that you're going to do a renovation to Teeth of the Dock. And with Pete not here to oversee that renovation, uh, you're here. And possibly other than maybe Alice, no one knew him better. Um, so how do you touch this property that is you know, top 50 in the world, uh, his favorite place to come and stay? How do you touch this property? and think, okay, if Pete was here today, and he was a visionary to your point, he knew what was gonna happen 20, 30 years down the road. Point in case TPC Sawgrass Stadium, of course, when that opened, the guys didn't wanna play it. Now it's the perfect venue for the best players in the world. How do you touch this golf course knowing all that, respecting his vision and carrying his vision forward into the future? Well, I've got, you know, hundreds, thousands of pictures that uh, when he passed away, Alice uh, sent that to me, and you know, and I have that. And, uh, and also I can tell you that since the day I arrived to today, the teeth of the dog is not even close to the same as it was when I first arrived, you know. 
lot of holes are way different. 18 is way different. One is different. You know, I mean, you've changed a lot of a lot of holes in some way to make it a little easier. Because you know, as I think the young people now, they're not don't have as much patience. You know, in the old day, you went out to play golf, you want to get the hell beat out of you. You know, you now people don't want to go out there and take six hours to play golf or shoot 120. So he number eight, he kind of minimized the front bunker and things, but. I think some of the things that he did, believe it or not, I'm just not quite necessarily in favor of it. You know, I wish he would return because it was, it was very, it was special. It was different than any other golf courses. Mm -hmm. So I think that when we do that, first thing we're going to go to Pass Palum, which is you know right the salt resistant all the way through. So the idea now is to basically burn everything we have now, the grass and everything, and also we're going to do the cart path. You know, there, there were things here that sometimes looks, you know, to be honest, look a little shaky. You know, the cart path is in the wrong place or, you know, and so the idea now is to do that. And then, you know, I'll, I'm not saying that I'm going to have a whole lot to do with it, but I'm sure going to be here and watching it. And if they try to do that, it's not p die. I might have to jump up and down and come at night and just come in and dig that place out. <laughs> so, it, you know, you cannot change. You know, it's like, well, I guess putting a mustache on the Mona Lisa or something, right? right? I mean, it needs to be, sure, it needs to be renovated. Yes, there's, you know, there's bunkers that have changed. But, you know, you go in and you dig out a little bit and you see where, you know, as you top dress the greens, where you got at a certain point. And then you can go back to that. You know, the people that do work for Donald Ross, that's what they do. You know, they do like a little excavation. They could see the layers of sand, you know, like they could tell how many years. Because every time you top dress a green, every time you do a bunker, uh, I mean, you know, that you, you go in with the, the sand pro and then you come out, you come out one way, then you basically lower the front, you know, you raise the front part of the bunker. So now visually you can't see the bunker as much. So those are the type of thing that I will definitely, hopefully they want to get me involved and uh, I'll be around. So we're going to do a turf renovation. We're going to rework some of the bunkering and maybe get some square footage back and some greens that maybe were lost around the years. Yeah. What about, I, I just want to pick up on something you said about you liked some of the teeth, so to speak, that was in teeth of the dog when it opened. And could you see some redesign and maybe some teeth going back into teeth of the dog? I played uh, yesterday in a 40 kilometer win up at Die Four. Yeah. That is a hard golf course. Yeah, that, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we need wider fairway and bigger greens. There. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Could you see some of those old, uh, maybe some of those old designs getting worked back in, thinking about what this property could be 20 years from now, the way technology goes, the modern golfer, to get some of the teeth back in? Well, you know, we've added distance, obviously. It used to be about 6,900 yards, and now it's about 7,450. So, you know, with the tees, but, you know, that play back there, right? That's just like, you know, you play at about 6,000 yards or whatever. But, um, for example, number three, you've played, obviously, and I'm sure some of you were have played here. The green used to be kind of an L shape, and the front now is probably 10 feet wider than it used to be. Okay. Now, probably most of your viewers are younger and uh, they don't remember Art Wall, but Art Wall was a, a really a good tour player many, many years ago, and I remember playing with him, and he was on the right side of number three, and he went back and forth, back and forth, and he finally picked up, you know, and he said that was enough. Yeah. Uh, we saw a kid uh, last year during the Latin American Amateur that he's in two, he's leading the tournament, he's in two, just in the back of the green. The pin's up front, butts off, goes all the way down the hill, comes back, comes back at him, probably makes nine. So he goes from leading the tournament to, you know, two, three back. So that doesn't necessarily affect the, the, the average player you know because okay so you, most guys they get that double triple bogey they pick up sure. right so but to me it's still you want to see that part of of the golf course it's like playing the 17 at tpc and make the green twice that big right 
So you go there. I've played there a couple times. I don't think I've ever hit the green in one. You know, <laughs> my wife buried a hole, but I didn't. So the idea is that the wind comes in different direction. That's why these guys have so much problem. But so if you're going to make that green bigger, maybe for you know, it, it, the pe people want to see what some shots are really what they're about. They might not be able to execute it, but they still want to see it. Otherwise, then you go play other golf courses. You know, that's fine. You want to have a good here. You're going to have a great time. You're gonna walk out, and the only thing you're gonna do, you're gonna be sad that you're on 18, and you're gonna hope that you're gonna come back on one in the next day or a, you know next time you come back. Pretty awesome. Okay, uh, so there's tons of Canadians down here. We've got I see a Club Link event down here. We're obviously Club Link, a huge golf uh, corporation in Canada. Many clubs. There's tons of them. I've met so many Canadians. When is the renovation happening? Because. I want to make sure our audience knows if they're thinking of coming here to play golf, there's a deadline. They got they got to come or they're waiting to the other side of that rental. So when's the work being done? When should they get down here? Well, first thing I should tell you that we have the best weather. We got some great golf courses yeah. other than Tea to the Dog. We have a great place to come. The food's fantastic. The people are great. So you know what? Okay, the Tea to the Dog is going to be closed from January 5th, 2025 to December 20th, 2025. But it doesn't mean where else you're gonna go that look at this weather, right? It's been like this for three months. We haven't had a drop of rain. It's beautiful every day. You know, the temperature is fantastic. The golf course, the links is so underrated. It's not even close. It's a wonderful golf course. I had a pro-am here a couple, a couple weeks ago. I played with a team. We actually played better on the teeth of the dog as, as two men, you know, best ball yep. gross than we did over there. First hole, 330 yards. I make five, my buddies make six. We're seven, three over par on the first <laughs> hole. So this is way underrated. It's a great golf course. Then we're gonna take the die four and we have 27 up there. So we're gonna take the, the, Chavon, the Chavon side. We're gonna hook it up to the one that we call the Lagos. So it's gonna be 18. And then we'll take the one at La Romana Country Club, our private club, there's another nine there. We're gonna do it with the marina. So we'll have 36 holes up at dive four and 18 holes on the wow. links. So it's not like you're gonna come over here, have nothing to play or anything like that. You know what I mean? We gotta be careful that say, oh yeah, we're closing teeth, don't show up. No, no. You know, first of all, I'm kinda, I still work. I work on commissions, so I don't want people <laughs> not to show up over here. All right. That was Jules Gagnon with Mark Sacchino talking about golf in Casa de Campo. And we'll be playing that interview, an extended version of that interview, too, on our television show coming up in a couple of weeks. And you, you could hear it there, just the wind blowing. And it's a, it's a great destination. Some really remarkable golf courses, too, that are tricky because of the wind. I personally have never had a chance to get to Casa de Campo, but I am looking forward to doing that uh, hopefully very soon and we've run a couple of travel specials from casa de campo where you look at some of the visuals and they are quite simply mesmerizing so thanks for Gilles for joining us here on gtc coming up on the other side we're going to take a look back at the wgc dell technologies match play we're going to hear from sam burns who picked up his fifth career pga tour victory we're going to hear from cameron young who came up short Yet again, sixth runner-up now on the PGA Tour. you got to think it's a matter of time before this guy gets his first PGA Tour victory. Lost six and five in the final to Sam Burns. It's almost like he ran out of steam a little bit. We'll, we'll also hear from Rory McIlroy, too, who came third. He won his consolation match over Scotty Scheffler. And now it seems like all systems go for Rory, trying to peak at the right time for Augusta National 
And we'll also hear from Matt Wallace, who won on the opposite field event on the PGA Tour this week. All that and more coming up after the break. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC was presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Cobble Beach, Georgian Bay's extraordinary waterfront golf resort community. Learn more about their award-winning golf course and growing community. Visit CobbleBeach.com today. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully here in studio. Well, the WGC Dell Technologies match play has now come and gone. And it's too bad that as of right now, there is no match play on the PGA Tours calendar for 2024 because it's just something different. It's something that it's fun to see these guys go back and forth playing a different style of golf. Of course, there's the Ryder Cup. Of course, there's the President's Cup. But this is just a little different. And sure, you can say what you want to say about the format, how the group stage might be a little different. And sure, the, the knockout stage was great back in the day. But hopefully, they can find a way to get match play back on the calendar for 2024 and beyond on the PGA Tour. Now, the WGC Dell Technologies match play was really known as golf's virgin of March Madness and because of course the NCAA March Madness tournament is going on as we speak both on the men's and ladies side and people like to fill out brackets for this and of the people who filled out brackets for the WGC Dell Technologies match play only 43 people or 0.11% of brackets predicted a Sam Burns versus Cameron Young final so I thought that was pretty interesting that you know people like to put their put maybe some lollies down on what the brackets could be, but it was Burns versus Young. Burns went on to win six and five, buried eight of his final 10 holes. He was so much fun to watch. Let's hear from Sam Burns shortly after getting the victory. Crazy week. Um, I didn't really know what to expect coming into this week. It's my first time uh, playing this event. And um, I feel like, I, you know, I, I gained a little bit more confidence as, you know, each match kind of played on. And then, um, you know, playing Scotty this morning, I knew it was going to be a tough match and um, got off to a great start and then kind of got lost a little bit halfway through the round. Um, and really things kind of changed, you know, I've got a new driver in play, uh, the Callaway Paradigm, and, um, you know, when I hit the tee shot on 12, I hit a really good one there and I feel like it kind of gave me a little bit of confidence, a little bit of confidence um, after that. And then... You know, I was able to make a few birdies coming down the stretch and ultimately going to extra holes. And, um, you know, I feel like I've kind of carried that on to this afternoon. What a win there by Sam Burns, who is now a five-time winner on the PGA Tour. And taking a look at his road to victory. So he beat Canadian Adam Hadwin 3-2 and two in his first match. He took down Adam Scott one up in match number two, then two up to wrap up group play over Seamus Power. He defeated Patrick Cantley 2-1 and one in the round of 16. Unfortunately, beat Canadian Mackenzie Hughes 3-2 and two in the Elite 8. In an extra hole, he beat Scotty Scheffler. And, of course, 
Cameron Young. He took him down six and five. So Sam Burns now moves to 10th in the world with the victory. Now, of course, I mentioned he beat Cameron Young in the final. Now, Cameron Young is now the 14th ranked player in the world yet to win on the PGA Tour, which is surprising given he has six runner-up finishes in just 37 starts. So you got to think that win is coming soon for Cameron Young, new caddy on the bag too with Paul Tesori, who was with Webb Simpson for a very long time. Now he's moved on to Cameron Young. Let's hear from Cameron Young with Golf Channel's Damon Hack. With Cameron Young, a gauntlet of a week, five days of match play, not the result that you wanted. What will you take away from this weekend, this day? All I can take away is that I played really well. Um, was thankful to get myself all the way here. I feel like I had a bunch of really tough opponents and um, just ran into Sam Burns playing really well today. We all know he's one of the best players in the world, and, and when he's on top of it, he's he's might be the best player in the world. Today he was against me, so um, it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. I'm playing really well, so I'm just looking forward to the next few weeks. What was the challenge of maintaining your energy over a week like this? It is a big challenge. Um, you know, I'm, a, I'm kind of a steady guy is emotionally out there. Um, and it was great having Paul out there. He's got a ton of energy. Um, and, and it kept us going really till the end. And obviously when that one goes in the water there, you kind of know it's over. But um, I think I, I played really nicely. I've got, got nothing bad to say about my week. Great week. Best luck going forward. Thank you. That was Cameron Young. And sure, he didn't. Uh, go on to win the tournament, but beat Rory McIlroy in the semifinal. And looking ahead now, Cameron Young had a couple of great finishes at the major championships last year. One shot out of a playoff at the PGA Championship. Of course, that playoff was between Justin Thomas and Will Zalatoris. JT went on to win his second career Wanamaker Trophy. And then Young eagled the 72nd hole at the 150th Open Championship at St. Andrews. So look out for Cameron Young at Augusta National this or next week, I should say. Getting a bit, of a, a bit ahead of myself here. But speaking of Augusta National, that's where we're going next. And that's where we're going with Rory McIlroy, who a couple of weeks ago at the Players' Championship missed the cut. He just seemed a little lost with his game. Made a couple of equipment changes with the putter with the length of the shaft of his driver, and now he looks like a different player. Let's hear from Rory McIlroy. I guess it's called the consolation match for a reason. Um, consolation was going out there and winning a match this afternoon, you know, obviously playing the number one player in the world. So, you know, I just had to regroup and try to, you know, I got off to, you know, a, a decent start and got up on Scotty early, and then we were trading a few bogeys here and there. It was a bit of a pillow fight in the middle of the round, but then we, we traded some birdies at the end. And um, Yeah, look, it's nice to walk away with a win after the disappointment of this morning, not being able to put Cam away, but you know, overall, it's been a really good week and um, it was something to really build on going into Augusta. Yeah, this was a big week, another big week ahead in two weeks' time. What are you most looking forward to at the Masters? Uh, just sort of seeing where my game is. Um, you know, I feel a lot better about things uh, now compared to you know this time a couple of weeks ago after the Players' Championship. So, you know, try to rest and recover a little bit over the next couple of days. And um, yeah, you know, all eyes on Augusta and just making sure that the game's ready. But everything feels in really good order. Just work on some things that I know that I'll need for that week, and um, you know, just make sure I'm I'm ready and rested. 
All eyes on Augusta National for Rory McIlroy. Of course, a win completes the career Grand Slam. Now, McIlroy has nine finishes of top four or better in his last 14 starts. He moved to second in the official World Golf ranking after his performance last week at the WGC Dell Technologies match play. And I know a lot of people were saying, perhaps online, that there wasn't really much to play for in the consolation match, but there's a lot of pride on the line for these guys, of course. Course FedEx Cup points. They're playing for a difference of about $275,000 too. But McElroy went on to beat the world number one, Scotty Scheffler, to take home third place at the WGC match play. And next up for Rory, yes, the quest for the career grand slam. I'm sure a lot of our coverage next week, both on television, radio, and all of our Masters preview specials across the TSN network, will be focused on McElroy and that quest for not only his fifth career major, his first major since 2014, but yes, that would complete the career Grand Slam. Coming up on the other side, we're going to chat with our golf analyst, Kristen Murphy, to recap the WGC match play. What went right in the match play? What would she want maybe a little different in match play if it were to come back? We'll discuss Mackenzie Hughes, great finish too. And we'll look ahead to the Masters. Maybe even ask Murph for a Masters pick all that and more coming up next this is golf talk Canada. this segment of gtc presented by picton mahoney asset management was brought to you by cobble beach georgian bay's extraordinary waterfront golf resort community this is golf talk canada presented by picton mahoney asset management this segment of gtc is brought to you by cadillac experience Cadillac. Join one of our agents for a personalized virtual live tour of Cadillac SUVs, sedans, and EVs. Book your tour at cadillac.ca slash live. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully here in the studio as we continue to Recap the WGC Dell Technologies match play. Now joining us on the line is the lady who wrote all of the highlights for SportsCenter this week of the WGC Dell Technologies match play. She watched every shot. And I know Paul Azinger discussed how tired he was watching because it was wall-to-wall coverage. It's a little different with 36-hole match play for Saturday and Sunday, but she's kind enough to join us now on the line amidst doing some production work for our television show this week, too. She's a very busy woman. Kristen Murphy now joins us. Hello, Murph. How are you this morning? I am fantastic. What an intro. Thank you for that, Adam. Yes, absolutely. I know it's a very busy time for all, but here we are. You know, Sam Burns <laughs> goes on to win, and I, I know, you know, we were texting back and forth throughout the, the match play. It's it's too bad it ended at 6-5, and five, right? Because there, there were a lot of great golf shots throughout the week. There, were, there was a lot of great drama, especially both Saturday and Sunday morning, right? So much great drama, and, you know, it was a fantastic week, all five days, just like a very high-quality product of golf, um, spread over all of those days and all of those matches. Um, but for me, the semifinal matches really stole the show. I think most people would agree. You had McElroy and Young, two absolute mashers of the golf ball in a high-octane battle. And then you had Burns and Scheffler, who, you know, both of these matches went the distance and then some for the first time in the 24-year history of the event. 
Um, both matches, both semis needed extra holes. And then, of course, you've got the side story of Burns and Scheffler being really good friends. So when I was watching them play, I kept thinking to myself, I wonder how many times have these guys played golf together, you know, whether it's in competition or just casual. And they would know each other's games so well and probably know each other's thought process so well. And so I thought that added a layer of intrigue and um, that one was really fascinating for me. And I think ultimately it was pretty cool that because Scotty is the one who's really in the spotlight right now and Burns has had a slower start to his season that he returned to the winner's circle and he got to have that moment. He certainly did. And, uh, you know, as you mentioned, they're great friends. And I think the broadcast mentioned that about 900 times. So maybe <laughs> once if, or if twice. You... Once or twice. They're becoming the new uh, Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas, how they're great oh. friends growing up. It's like, hey, we get it. These guys are great friends. I mean, so it's true. awesome to see they're, they're back and forth, and they've had back and forth on the PGA Tour mm-hmm. as well. And you mentioned Sam Burns, sort of MIA, start of the year, but he goes on, has a, a sixth-place finish at the Valspar, wins the WGC match play, a great finish for him. But for you, when, when you're doing these highlight packs and, and you see – Sunday morning, the semifinal uh, uh, matchups, and you look at the possibility, and you're you're probably licking your chops because you're thinking, oh my goodness, Rory McIlroy yeah. and Scotty Scheffler for the final for for three point five million dollars, and sure, they both didn't win, and they probably both should have won their semifinal matches. But I mean, from what you saw anyway, I mean, the consolation match was what it was. It doesn't have the same maybe magnitude of intensity. But what did you see from Scheffler and McIlroy in that consolation match? Um, you know, the it, honestly, I find the consolation match. If we're going to talk about the format of the tournament in general, I find it quite anticlimactic. Yeah. Obviously, it was the matchup that everybody wanted to see. But it just didn't have the same juice on the line. And I think, you know, you saw from all of the golfers that played on Sunday just how absolutely gassed they were at the end. I mean, Sam Burns, we heard it in his post clips there that he was just, I'm so tired, I can barely put words together, was the sentiment. And, like, you could feel the exhaustion. Um, So it is, Damon Hack described it as a gauntlet, and it really is that. And so infrequently are you going to get that dream matchup this is about as close as you can get to it. Um, but for me, the consolation match is really just sort of keeping an eye between arguably two of the best golfers in the world. And you can include John Rahm in that conversation as well. But to see how their games looked ahead of Augusta. Like to me, it wasn't about who's going to win the consolation, but it was whose game is peaking in time for the Masters. Yeah, totally. And it's hard to believe the Masters is next week. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Can't <laughs> wait for that. And of course, one of the big storylines is Rory McIlroy. And he shows up the Players' Championship and he, he, he was hitting it all over the ballpark, missed the cut by a number of shots. And, and then, you know, rumors circulate that he made a little change with the putter, made a little change with the length of his driver shaft, goes to Augusta National on a scouting mission, reportedly has 19 putts in one round uh, from what you saw from Rory this week I mean what's your optimistic le- what's your level of optimism as we look ahead to next week as he looks to complete the career grand slam it's pretty high you know Adam you mentioned it in the last segment you said it seems like it's all systems go for Rory and I couldn't agree with you more I think he's the biggest storyline heading into Augusta we know that glory there has eluded him 
in the past. It's very well documented, as we know, but he has seven top 10 finishes, including five in a row between 2014 and 2018, but still no green jacket to complete the slam. You could definitely argue he's playing some of the best golf of his career now. And uh, I think he's it seems to be that he's peaking at the right time. I would add, though, he has so much added pressure from outside sources, from the media, et cetera, but also so much pressure from himself. And we saw a similar pressure-packed situation at St. Andrews at last year's Open Championship, and we knew what that tournament meant to him, and he couldn't quite cross the line there. And I just worry that maybe it could be a similar vibe next week. Yeah, and you know what? It's it's funny you mention that too because you know it seems like for years, you know, from a production side of things, I have worked directly with Bob on when he writes these these essays that you know they're you know in the ninety second to two minute range. They air on our Masters coverage. They air across SportsCenter and TSN.ca, and we always try to find some sort of a, a different angle for McElroy and, and he pokes around and, and thinks about his game plan McElroy's game plan going into the masters and sometimes you know he's shown up the week of trying to make it seem like a regular tournament sometimes he's gone the week before and played four competitive rounds to try to switch things up so I'm curious which McElroy shows up this <laughs> or next week at the masters and you know four straight rounds where he's failed to break 70 that's the opening round of the masters so he'll need to break 70 I think, to have any chance to really get in the mix come Sunday afternoon. But looking back on the week that was, one shot that people will look at and remember this tournament by is McElroy's tee shot on Thursday to drive the final green. Only 375 yards, only a 349-yard <laughs> carry, only 188 miles per hour of ball speed. When you saw that shot, was your jaw on the ground for hours? Because mine was. It, it was, and then I left, uh, I left the TSN studios, and I must have watched that tee shot on my phone 50 more times after that, and it never got old, and I might watch it later again today. You never yeah. know. Uh, but it was, it was a moment, and obviously there's been so much talk about uh, how far the golf ball is going these days, and so I just thought it was so fitting that Rory would do exactly what he did, and kind of like bring the conversation back full circle. We're, we're talking with Kristen Murphy, our golf analyst here on Golf Talk Canada, recapping the WGC, looking ahead to the Masters. And a point you just made there was about the golf ball, because that was certainly uh, amidst a, a lot of conversation last week and more, more really the week before when the USGA RNA proposal came out discussing what could be coming with this proposal and a lot of players really weren't on board with it until Rory McIlroy goes on the <laughs> No Laying Up podcast last week and says, "Ah, oh, you know what? I think this would be pretty good for the game of golf." What's your perspective on the the whole golf ball situation? Uh for me, I I can simplify it that I just love watching the guys crush the golf ball and I think there are other ways to solve for the issues and you know when it comes to for example setting up the courses differently more challenging but for me um rolling back the golf ball is not something that i want to see yeah totally like it i agree and you know bob made it pretty simple and when said when he goes and covers golf tournaments he he wants to see guys fly at 330 340 and not oh i i really hit my driver well there <laughs> carry 282 i mean gone are those days and it's, it's an entertainment factor and it's, it's something where to the average 
player like you and I, like we can go out and buy the same golf ball that Rory uses or Justin Thomas uses or Tiger uses for all that. So mm-hmm. we can go out and do that. And if that goes away, that really wouldn't be, uh, wouldn't be a thing. But I, I know next week we'll be uh, really focusing. Uh, that'll be a part of the conversation too. And a part of the conversation next week uh, for the Masters and one of the storylines that has so much drama is Live <laughs> versus the PGA Tour. Right. There'll be 18 players from Live Golf going to the Masters, six past champions who will be a part of that champions dinner. Before I ask you about Live Golf versus PGA Tour, how how much would you want to be a fly on the wall for the champions <laughs> dinner just in terms of general awkwardness, animosity. I'm not sure what to expect. What do you think is going to happen at the champions dinner? Right. So I don't expect any confrontations or, you know, fisticuffs um, at the champions dinner. I mean, this is Augusta. There is no more button down establishment venue in the golf world. So I think everyone's going to be on their P's and Q's when it comes to the champions dinner. Could there be awkwardness? Yes. Absolutely. But yeah, I don't think it's going to come to blows by any means, but I think a dream scenario for me would be, okay, Rory's in the mix on the back nine come Sunday, but maybe there's a sprinkling, a light dusting of some live guys, Dustin Johnson, maybe Cam Smith trying to rewrite, you know, his blunder at 12 there last year when he made triple bogey. Um, But having kind of that type of storyline on top of if Rory was in the mix as well would be pretty juicy. Ultimately, I would hope that um, a PGA golfer would, would come out on top and don the green jacket. But I think for the live guys, I think they're not going to admit to it, but I think a lot of them probably feel like they have something to prove in terms of where's their competition level at. We know it's a different format over on the live tour. So, you know, it's not the same grind that we see on the PGA tour, but you can't, question the talent of a Dustin Johnson or a Cam Smith. So I think it could be really interesting if the dynamics a little bit uh, grab bag mix come Sunday. Yeah. And I'm, I'm curious too, because, you know, you mentioned some of the top guys who have obviously played well, you know, DJ won this tournament. Cameron Smith had an unbelievable season last year on the PGA tour, winning the century tournament champions in PGA tour record setting fashion, winning the players championship, winning the open championship. But in terms of how these guys, are actually playing so far this season on the live tour hasn't exactly been awesome 18 <laughs> players in the field for the masters they've combined for five top tens in 48 player fields on the live tour so i'm curious what's uh, what kind of form these guys show up with but i'm also on a bit of a lighter note more curious about is there <laughs> there's some rumors that these guys are going to show up wearing their matching live uniforms oh, are we gonna oh. see phil mickelson rock up to the first tee in a high flyers hat and jerseys? what do you think I, oh my goodness i mean it when it comes to phil anything is possible i really hope not um i'm a bit of a traditionalist in a lot of ways but um yeah. it's gonna be a spectacle obviously you know you get golf channel live on the range just sort of feels like 24 7 that whole masters week and i'm gonna be glued to the set adam i know you will be too oh, yeah Oh yeah, we're we're going to be so glued to the set, and it's <laughs> it's hard to believe it's it's next week, which is which is so awesome. A couple more before we let you go uh, here from a from a Canadian perspective. So right now we've got four Canadians playing at the Masters. We'll start, of course, with Mike Weir, who 
20 years ago, 20 years ago, he won the Masters, which is really hard to believe. Corey Connors, three straight top tens at the Masters, but his season so far has been not his best thus far. Although some flashes at the WGC match play and Adam Svensson, Mackenzie Hughes, who both won during the fall portion of the schedule to earn their way into the Masters. But I mentioned Weir off the top. Do you remember where you were 20 years ago when Weir won the Masters? Oh my goodness, I don't, Adam. Putting you on the I really, spot here, I, I apologize. No, that's okay, that's okay. Um, it was, I remember obviously it being such a major moment and I mean, I, I obviously didn't see it coming. I don't think yeah. a lot of people did, but certainly a remarkable part of Canadiana that um, I think Canadians are very proud of. Yeah, I mean, so proud of and uh, I know we're running some sort of or many features on this uh, throughout Masters week, including input from some of the Canadians on the PGA Tour and where they were the moment it happened, because that moment really it it changed Canadian golf. It mm-hmm. sort of gave us, especially from for a guy from small town Canada to, you know, that everyone has a chance to win this tournament. And for Mike Weir it was such a huge moment. But uh, for the other three Canadians right now in the field, you know, we saw Mackenzie Hughes last week. He played well, advancing to the Elite Eight, beating Max Homa too, which is awesome. Adam Svensson's year has kind of been up and down like a yo-yo. Of course, he got the victory in the fall portion of the sked, and then his year has been some some ups and certainly some downs. But Corey Connors, you know, you've done you've watched the Masters the last three years when he's finished inside the top ten, but this season has not been his best given the flashes of brilliance we just saw from Connors at the WGC match play what are your expectations for Connors as we look ahead here I think Connors is is trending in the right direction I think when it comes to the Canadians that'll be in the mix Mackenzie Hughes stands out for me um you know he played really good golf this week he was obviously the last Canucks standing and he really ran into a freight train and Sam Burns I mean Hughes was two up early through two holes he's draining long bombs and he chipped in and then uh sam burns drills a 52 foot massive swinger um and then he kind of never looked back from there and we know how that ended he goes seven and oh and hoists the trophy at the end of the week but i mean that's just one match and i thought that Hughes looked to be in good form and obviously that's a great sign for him because the season hasn't started out that way Yeah, totally. And, you know, given the past success that Mark was talking about in our one at some major championship venues, he's been in the final group on a Sunday afternoon at a U.S. Open. So let's see if Mac Hughes can get in the mix and let's see maybe perhaps another Canadian can earn their way to the Masters like Corey Connors did four years ago with a dub at the Valero Texas Open. Kristen, I know you're a very, very busy gal. Thanks so much for your time today. Uh, continue. Good luck here with our on the production side for GTC. And we will talk to you very soon. Okay. Chat soon. Take care. We'll chat soon. That was uh, Kristen Murphy, who is hard at work right now doing uh, not only some WGC match play work uh, for us on GTC, both now on radio and on television, our television recap special, where we'll take a look back at the WGC match play, look ahead to the Valero Texas Open, air some really cool features too. I'm excited too, uh, for everyone to see what's to come on our Wednesday television show. On the other side, we'll have our leaderboard updates from around the world of golf and preview what's to come for Golf Talk Canada. This is GTC. This segment of GTC, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management, was brought to you by Cadillac. Cadillac, experience Cadillac. Join one of our agents for a personalized virtual live tour of Cadillac SUVs, sedans, and EVs.
This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Adidas Golf and the Tour 360 22. Tour 360 22 sits on the feet you wear last, serving as the foundation for the Tour 360 fit, while the Spike More traction system will help golfers stay locked in. Visit adidas.ca slash golf. Wrapping up today's show with some leaderboard updates. Leaderboard updates are brought to you by Bushnell Golf, the number one rangefinder in the world of golf on the PGA Tour couple of events. Let's start Corrales Punta Cana Championship. Matt Wallace, your winner there. A one-shot victory over Nikolai Hoygaard, of course, the WGC. Sam Burns, fifth career PGA Tour victory. Six and five win over Cameron Young on the LPGA Tour. Great finish down the stretch. Celine Boutier beats Georgia Hall in a playoff. Boutier and Hall were both 20 under par. Half the note, too. Canadian Matty Zierick, first career top 10 on the LPGA Tour. T7 finish, just four shots off the pace. PGA Tour champions, David Tom's four-shot victory over Stephen Alker. Very busy time for us here on GTC. We made our huge 20 weeks of TaylorMade announcement last week. Look at our social media channels for more information on that. We are back on Wednesday, 10 a.m. TSN 1050, where I'll take a look back at the Valero Texas Open. We'll preview uh, the Edge perspective, fantasy, the works with that. Also look ahead to the Masters, which is next week. It is the best time of the year coming up next here on tsn 1050 it is leafs lunch maple leafs coming off a huge victory over the nashville predators al's brother and my former teammate frankie corrado will break it down that's coming up next right here on tsn 1050 this segment of gtc presented by picton mahoney asset management was brought to you by adidas golf and the tour 360 22 Tour 360 22 sits on the feet you wear last, serving as the foundation for the Tour 360 fit, while the Spike More traction system will help golfers stay locked in. Thank you for listening to GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit GolfTalkCanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television weekly on the TSN Television Network.